I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, uh, if you're watching online, hey, glad you're with us. And if this is your first time online or in this brick and mortar building, I'm, I'm glad that you're um, glad that you're here. So um, yesterday was a full day for my wife and I. Uh, we uh, were involved with the uh, Red Shield Community Center's convoy of hope that came into our city. And uh, it was an amazing event down at the Red Shield Com Community Center. If you've never been there, it's on the, really the southwest uh, part of our city. Just an incredible place where God's doing some amazing things. And we, as a church family, through our Christmas offering that we take every year, purchased all of the backpacks. There were over 900 backpacks that we purchased. We put all the books and pencils and erasers and all the stuff inside of them. And we had a number of people from Big Valley Grace that served in all the different areas. It was really fun to watch some of you that are uh, hair cutters, or not hair cutters, uh, stylists, hair cutters. <laughs> anyway, there was like, I don't, I don't even know how many, there were like 20 uh, of a, it, the place was packed, thousands of people came through, and most importantly, the gospel was, was preached, and it was a great, just a, a great event, and so thank you for your generosity that we could be a part of something like that. All the kids that were there all got new shoes and socks, and there was, um, you know, a breast cancer awareness screening. I mean, they had everything you could think of uh, there. Obviously, they got food and um, just a clothes and a, a lot of stuff. And one of the highlights, obviously, for the children was they got their, they got all the stuff they needed to have a good school year. And so uh, thank you a, a bunch, okay? So the Bible says this in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Some of your Bibles will say, let us stimulate one another to love and good works. And as I was preparing for um, the message today, that verse popped into my, my brain. The Holy Spirit brought it to my mind. And really, it is my goal as the preacher to somehow motivate us or stimulate us to um, something that's very loving and certainly something that is a good work. That's my goal. 
is that somehow God would use me in your life to motivate you, to, to accomplish this thought from our Lord. And I uh, don't know whether I'm gonna, uh, you know, accomplish it or not, but that's my goal, and I want you to know about it. My, my goal isn't to make anybody feel guilty, though, uh, you know, I had some people last night tell me I felt guilty, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Hey, my job. I just want to motivate you or stimulate you in, in this area. But um, to do that, I need to lay a, a, a little bit of a foundation, okay? So give me a little leeway here, and let's see if, if I can lay this foundation, and I think it'll make the motivating or the, 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 the stimulating maybe easier, if you will. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. All men will hate you because of me. What? What's that about? That's an interesting piece of data from our Lord, isn't it? Now, obviously, in its context, he, he was talking to a group of, you know, disciples. But here we are today, and I think if Jesus was standing here, he would say it to you also. Then in a few minutes, you're gonna walk out these doors. Maybe you'll go over to prime time, it'll be another you know, hour or so, but you're gonna walk out of here. And Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And let me just tell you something. A sheep has no chance against a wolf. No chance. Zero. Zilch. You, you, you can take 100 sheep and say, okay, we're going to gang up. Or we're, we're going to gang up on this one wolf, and they're all going to lose. And then he makes this statement. All men are going to hate you because of me. And I think that as time has moved on and our culture has moved on, I think we're seeing more of this, aren't we? Now, I remember when I was a young guy in the church. And the old guys that had gray hair would get up and they'd talk about how crummy the world is and we certainly got to be in the end times. And I used to sit out there and go, oh man, these old guys. They, they, they think we're in the end times all the time. Any old guy up there is going to talk about that. I, I'm serious. And I'm that guy now. Okay? <laughs> and, and it could be that just because I'm that guy now, I, I think, you know, oh, we're, we're in the end times now. Everybody's been saying it, you know, for, since the beginning of time. But I think I could make a pretty good case that this is really different and really unique. Amen. I think I could make that case pretty, pretty good. And, man, I'll tell you what, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've denied yourself and you've taken up your cross and you're following him, you, you, you've surrendered your life over to him and his will for your life, you're following the, the words of our Lord, if you're doing that, I want you to know 
In my 60 plus years on planet Earth, I've never seen it so bad. I mean, there is a deep hatred for those that are true followers of Jesus. And that hatred comes from the media, that hatred comes from Hollywood, that hatred comes from a lot of different places. But you can just feel it, you can just sense it. In some cases, you can see it. Now, here in America, it ain't as bad as it is in some places on the planet. Some places on the planet, literally, you are hated so much for being a follower of Christ that you, you're, you could lose your life. People do. Just for being a follower of Jesus. Now, that hasn't happened here yet. But certainly, if God were to give me a few more years, and I, I don't know how long I got, but I might see it in my lifetime where the government comes along and says, you know, we're gonna protect people from religion. Not freedom of religion, but freedom from it. We wanna protect the people from you crazies that actually believe this thing. I, I think it's coming. Well, I know it's coming. I, I just, I, I don't know whether I'm gonna be alive for it, but I, I think I am. I mean, that, that's how serious this is. The great apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter three, he said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. And once again, my first, I'm gonna say 25 years of being a follower of Christ, you know, I was a youth pastor here and I'd go on to campuses, I'd do anything I wanted to, man. The school system wanted us on campus and we'd do pizza things on campus. We'd bring bands onto campuses. I could just walk onto campus. If there was something that happened on a campus, they'd call us up and we'd go there and counsel. I mean, we were just, we were, oh, come, please, do another party. Get on campus. It was crazy. Now, you know, you got to go through all this training. Our youth guys have to go through all this training to get onto a high school campus. And then they got to wear this big thing around their neck like they're a leper that says, hey, this is a spiritual guy. You know, he's a Christian guy. And in other words, stay away from that guy. It, it, it ain't easy. It, it, just didn't, it just isn't easy. My point is, there was a time when I, I didn't, you know, per, really, no one's persecuting me. Someone may have called me a Jesus freak. You know, what did he do? It's getting dicier. It really is. Peter weighed in with this. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, be self-controlled self and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And being in athletics as long as I have been, that's the scouting report that our Lord has given us on our enemy. He kind of boils it down to one sentence. He, he, here's what he does. He just looks for somebody that he can mess up. He's a roaring lion and he's looking to devour somebody. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as a sheep amongst the wolves. That is simply an imagery of sheep being devoured. And so because our enemy is out to destroy us, he says, hey, you gotta be self-controlled and you gotta be alert. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, Paul gives us a, a really unique piece of information. He says, the God of this age, and notice that's a small g, 
the God of this age, this is, this is the God of the big G God telling us something about our enemy. He's the God of this age. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For whatever reason, God, big G, has given God, little g, some juice, some power. He can actually blind the eyes of unbelievers. And I'm not so far removed from those days when I was blinded, where I, I remember it. I remember going to, you know, Grace M. Davis High School and being blinded. There were Christians there who would invite me to stuff and share the gospel with me. I was blinded to it. That's how powerful our enemy is. He can blind people and and, and keep that in mind as you interface, whether it be with your actual neighbor or people at work or people you golf with, people you come in contact with who think differently than you, have different opinions than you, you know, about politics or whatever that might be. Remember that the enemy has blinded them and it wasn't that long ago that the enemy had blinded you. I think sometimes we as believers can get so far down the line that we forget about those, those moments, those days, if you will. My point is, is that wow, our enemy has got some juice. Our, our uh, fellow Christian follower of Christ, John, said this in 1 John chapter five. He said, we know that we are the children of God. We know that. And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We, we, we forget that. Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross. I'm following the Lord. I've surrendered my life over to him. I, I, I get it. I'm a child of God. But there's a second piece, and that is this world that I'm living in and that you're living in is under the control of the evil one. Don't forget that. He's blinding the eyes of the unbeliever. We're walking out of here in a minute, and man, we're just sheep amongst wolves. There's, a, there's an enemy out there who just wants to mess your life up, mess your marriage up, mess your business up, whatever, whatever it might be, your family, all those things. It's just a, a reality. So one of the things that I like to do is I'm a part of a, I don't know, a cohort of, you know, pastors that I, you know, we're from all over and we gather once a month, uh, Zoom now, and well, it was always on Zoom, but um, we talk about theological things, weighty things. And one of the discussions that comes up often is what is our enemy's greatest uh, weapon? And I'll tell you, we don't always agree. Uh, we have robust conversations about theological things. And this is one of them. But since I'm preaching and they're not in the room, I'm gonna tell you what I think it is. 
And that is deception. I, I think that that is his greatest weapon that he uses down here on planet Earth. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Some Bibles say bad company corrupts good morals. Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning. You see, we as believers, we as followers of Christ can be deceived by people out there. I see this a lot with young people, collegians especially, who know Christ. And their professors or their friends that they start doing life with somehow are able to deceive them. And they get all goofed up and, and, and crummy stuff. Sometimes to the degree where they will deny the Lord. And this little phrase right here, come back to your senses, is a beautiful phrase. We see that phrase, uh, for those of you that know the story of, you know, uh, the prodigal son, there comes a moment where it says, he came to his senses. Woo! That is a great thought for all of us as followers of Christ. Because all of us have had to come to our senses at some moment. I don't care who you are. You can tell me about your walk with the Lord and I'm gonna tell you there have been moments in your walk with Jesus where somehow you were deceived. I don't know what it was. You started kind of going down a path that was stupid and you came to your senses. And that's a good moment when you come to your senses. And you go, wow, was I deceived? Why did I do that? Why was I going down? Why was I chasing after the, you know, that, that thing? In Galatians, Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man's going to reap what he sows. I think a lot of believers are, are deceived. I think a lot of believers go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and blow God off in this area. I'm not, I'm not going to do what God says in this area or maybe that area or whatever it is. And, you know, it's no big deal. In fact, some of you might be sitting here watching, you know, online going, I did blow God off last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and nothing happened, right? You, you got away with something. Today, tomorrow's a new day. Don't be deceived. You are gonna reap what you sow. Just because you got away with it today or yesterday or last week or last month or last year, there's coming a day you will reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. If you decide to go out and, you know, you plant corn, I can guarantee you if you put a corn seed in the ground, there's going to come a moment when, bing, a corn stalk's going to grow. Guarantee it. I guarantee you if you put a strawberry seed in the ground, bing, there's going to come a moment you're going to get strawberries. I can absolutely guarantee you if you put a corn seed in the ground, that a, you know, strawberry plant isn't gonna come out of the ground. You are going to reap what you sow. And if you choose, as a believer, to plant crummy things, sinful things, evil things, wicked things, things that go against what God's will is, his word, you may get away with it today, you may get away with it tomorrow, but there's gonna come a moment when, bing, 
you are going to reap what you sow. But the opposite is true, too. If you live a righteous life, a holy life, a God-honoring life, whatever all those things are, and when you do blow it, you come to your senses and repent of your sin and all of that, bing, God promises. You're going to reap righteous things. He promises. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Is God a God of love? Absolutely. But that's not all he is. He's more than just a God of love. But that is one of his great characteristics. And it ought to be one of the great characteristics of his followers. Jesus said they're going to know you, you know, by how you love people. But that's not all Jesus says he is. He's more than that. And here we have God saying, hey, listen, Christian, don't be deceived. This was, this was written to a church. This wasn't written to unbelievers. This was written to believers who attended a church. Don't be deceived. You can think or feel or whatever that, well, everybody gets to go to heaven, right? I mean, God's the God of love. No. That's not what God's word says. How you live matters. How you choose to live your life, it matters especially you know, when it counts the most, when you take your last breath here on planet Earth, right? Deuteronomy chapter 11 says, don't be deceived or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. That, that, that's kinda, that kind of encapsulates the whole thing, doesn't it? And I've been here long enough where I have seen a lot of people who were deceived and they began to, you know, buy the lie of, I don't know, an evolutionary process. They were here, and they were members of our church, and they served in our church, and they sang kumbaya, and they held babies and mentored teenagers. They did whatever it is they did, and they gave money or whatever, and then something happened. Satan threw the lure in. And they were enticed. Now they're not walking with the Lord. And these are people that walked with God for a long, long time. It shouldn't surprise us because God's word is crystal clear. It's gonna happen. And that's why he says, hey, God says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived here. Don't be deceived there. Be, be, be careful. You can be deceived. We have the ability to be deceived. All of us. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Being a Christian in this world isn't, isn't easy. It's not easy. Man, we got an enemy out there who's, you know, really good at what he does. And all of us could tell stories of how one moment or another, maybe we were deceived, I don't know what it was, we made a bad decision, whatever. And man, 
You know, most of us came to our senses, repented of our sin, moved on. Some haven't. Some of you are sitting in this room right now, and maybe you're just going, you know what, I've never come to my say. I, I don't believe a word of what you're saying. I'm just here to make my mom happy or my boyfriend happy or whatever. I get it, I know. But I want you to know, if you are a follower of Christ, if you truly have um, denied yourself, taken up your cross and followed Christ, it ain't gonna be easy. And by the way, that's a phrase that I use all the time now. I, I am really convinced that the, the American church has done Christians no favor. We, 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 we haven't clearly communicated what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so I just choose to use the word Jesus used when he was asked, you know, hey, I'll follow you. And he said, oh yeah, you wanna follow me? Here's what you gotta do. You gotta deny yourself, you gotta take up your cross, and then you can follow me. Average American Christian has no way, wait, wait, uh, deny me? What are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't realize that was a part of the gig. It's, it's the first part of the gig. You have to deny you. You and your feelings and you know, your desires and your dreams and you know, your thoughts and your opinions are all gone. And what matters is, is God's thoughts, God's dreams. You deny you and then you take up your cross. In fact, you gotta be so committed to this thing that you literally are willing to die for the faith. That's what it means to take up your cross. Are you willing to die for the dreams and the purposes of God? If you're not, then you can't follow me. But if you're willing to deny yourself, if you're willing to take up my thoughts, my heart, my will, then you can follow me. All that to get me to these two practical points. And they, they, they're no-brainers for most of us. Okay, really, they, they, they are. And the first one is this, because it isn't easy to be a Christian in this world, you need to be a healthy, active member of a church. It just makes sense. Let me give you a few thoughts about the church. The, the church is a, is a great place to worship the Lord. I know you can worship God anywhere. You can worship him in your home. You know, you can worship him in your RV. You can worship him in your car. You can... You can worship God anywhere. I, I understand that. But there is something unique about coming into this brick and mortar building. That's way different. And the primary reason we gather is to worship him. That's why we gather. I know you get to fellowship and that's all, but that's all secondary to the primary reason why we gather is to worship him. That's the primary reason. And together, as a church family, our worship department has thought through songs and they've prayed about it. And these are songs that aren't meant for 
you know, cross point. These aren't songs that are meant for Calvary Chapel. These aren't songs that are meant for Shelter Cove. These aren't songs that are made for Renew or whatever the other churches, great churches are out there. They were songs that God put on our worship department's heart for you, the family members here. And together, we are gonna sing them. Some of those songs I like better than others. And I know you do too. I get it. I get it. But God has so orchestrated this thing that, you know, you and I don't get to make the call. He's raised up somebody else. It's a moment where together we, we, we bring our gifts to God. It's a moment when together we hear from the Lord. And let me just tell you something. You know, most things that are good can be used for evil. And there's a lot of good things about podcasts and, you know, TV and radio and all that. A lot of great stuff. But I want you to know something. There's something evil in it too. Satan is just, he's so good. God raised up Joel Boone to be our pastor. God knows who are family members of this church. God knows. And I believe that the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, works through our senior pastor to think through what are, what are the things that we, we need to teach the people here. Not that, he's, not, he's not worried about what's going on at Cross Point. He's not worried about what's going on at, you, you know, with the one church or the house. That's somebody else. There's a pastor there. And so our, our pastor prays and thinks through a series and, and then the, he, he distributes messages out to the, the, the teaching team and here for the last couple of weeks, I'm thinking about this message and I'm praying and I'm thinking. I'm not thinking about any other church family. All I'm thinking about is you. And I believe that when you hear from Joel up here or you hear from Lonnie up here or you hear from me up here or whoever it is, that God has a message for the people of Big Valley Grace. But it's super easy to leave here and, you know, and go and listen to your podcast of your favorite preacher and you're listening to him and none of us are as good as you know, John MacArthur, none of us are as good as a dead guy you know, like Jake Vernon McGee. We're, 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 and, and you're listening to those people and you're going, hey! And you forgot about God's word to you through this preacher. I believe this. And I see too many believers, not just in this church, but in, all, pick a church. Well, you know, I heard that message once, uh, preached by, uh, you, know, uh, you know, pick a guy. Yeah. No, you didn't. He may have preached it different than I did, or Joel did. But I can guarantee you, if we wanted to put MacArthur on, we could just put him up there. Or whoever, pick the guy. When we come to worship God,
God. You were a family. And God's going to say something through the preacher, primarily Joel. And there's not a weekend that doesn't go by. Even when I'm at series, I always will watch the message online because he's the one who is my pastor. And I always get something out of those messages. Always. I know there are better preachers out there than me. I know it. And Joel, I know it. But I don't go to those churches. I'm not a family member of those churches. I'm a family member of this one. And I believe that God's going to speak through the music and through all that we do to us as a family. And we worship him together. Now listen, I listen to John MacArthur. I listen to him all the time. And a lot of times Satan makes me feel crummy when I'm done because I go, man, I wish I could preach like that guy. That guy just said something amazing, man. I, I, can't, I can't be him. He's incredible. And there are others. And I listen to him and I go, man, Lord, maybe I gotta stop listening to these guys because I, I'm, just, I'm just nowhere near as good or as talented or as gifted or whatever the words are. And then I hear from God through his word. No, I, you're a teacher here. Don't worry about what that guy's teaching. You can learn from him, that's great. But if you're not you, Rick, and who's going to be you? I've told Joel that. Hey, Joel, if you're not you, who, who's going to be Joel? God didn't want you to be anybody else but, then, but who God made you to be. Uh, the church is a great place to remember Jesus. I mean, we can go to work and do work and vacuum the rugs and, you know, pump gas or whatever it is we do, sell clothes, try a case, we're an attorney. And, you know, you can get through the end of the day and you just forgot about him. But when you come here for an hour and 20, you know, it's just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, we're just blasting Jesus out you. And for some, I get it. You get in your car and you won't even get out of the parking lot and you forgot about him. But at least for an hour and a half, man, we came in here and remembered him. Remembered all that he did for, for us. The church is a great place to hear God speak to you. If you come in and say, God, I'm here, man, here I am. And I know some of you went, you know, you're new, gave your life to Christ. Joel's the only guy you've ever heard. You go, who's this guy, man? Old guy. He's yelling, running around on the stage. I want Joel. I get it. I get it. So do I. Trust me. <laughs> but you know, if you come in here, no, no matter who walks up on the stage, it doesn't matter. You can shut down your, your brain, your intellect. Christians can do that. But if you keep this thing working, this incredible thing called your brain and let your intellect work when you're hearing a message, looking at the stuff, I want you to know something. I don't care who's up here. I don't care. Man, you'll hear the voice of God. Uh, church is a great place to teach your children to love the church. I think that's a good one, big one. I was talking with a guy not long ago. <laughs> hey, Pastor Rick, I, I can't get my teenage son to you know, go to church or whatever. And I knew this guy and I said, yeah, 
He learned it from you. The great Harry Chapin, the great theologian, your son is just like you. I said, I don't know whether I can fix this problem. But if you would have brought your kid to church and he could have looked at you and seen your love for the church, it may have made a difference. Statistically speaking, I know that there are some, you brought your children to church and today they don't, they're not in church, today. That doesn't mean that tomorrow they won't be, but today they're not. Train up a child in the way that they should go and you know, when they're old, they won't depart from it. They may go sideways and go down a back road <laughs> or whatever, but the chances are pretty good they'll end up back in the church. I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter six. He says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say the student will become as the teacher teaches. Rather, he will become like his teacher. This is the old, you know, don't do as, you know, as I do, just do as I say. No, 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 no. They're gonna become like you in your actions. That's what matters. And this is a great place, especially for those of you that have young families. Start teaching them their love for the church by your love for the, for the church. And then I wanna give you a bonus thought, and the reason why it's a bonus thought is because I thought of it um, on really Friday, late Friday night, and that is this, church is a great place to be a part of a team. You know, we have this incredible, you know, vision in front of us, love your actual neighbor. And we're, we're never gonna accomplish the goal if we don't work together as a team. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. And what I want you to know, I did the ancestry.com thing. 1% Jew. I knew, I knew there was something. And so some of us are Jewish. Some are Gentiles, all of you, but there are us Jews here. I consider myself, Lee, a Messianic Jew now. That's what I'm considering. I'm calling myself that from now on, 1%. <laughs> some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share, you know, share the same spirit and this passage goes on to basically just talk about how we're all different, but we all have to work together as a team. And if we work together as a team, it's unbelievable what we can accomplish. I often have told you, I liken Sunday mornings to the huddle of a football game. Believers, we're all huddled up now, okay? And the world doesn't care about our huddle. They're going down Tully Road, right? They're going down Clarentina. They're out at the soccer games. They're playing tennis or pickleball or whatever it is, right? The world's out. They don't care about this. Much like nobody cares about the huddle when you're watching a football game on TV. Nobody cares. When you're watching the Niners on a Sunday you know, morning, 
And they get in the huddle. Nobody stands up and goes, hey, everybody in the house, be quiet. Quit talking. They're huddled up. Nobody does that. When they get in the huddle, you know, what, you know what happens? You go to the bathroom, you get another Pepsi, you get some more chips, you do, you do whatever it is you gotta do. And then once they go ready, break, and they head to the line, that's when you lock in. Everybody quiet, they're ready to play. Because you wanna see, can they run the play? Is it gonna be a touchdown? Are they gonna get the first down? That's what we care about. It's the play. And that's what the world needs, is to see us break huddle. And we're a team. And you got your job, and I got mine, and you got yours, and da, da, da. And we break huddle here in a little bit. We go to our cars, and man, we live out the play. We accomplish whatever it is, you know, the the thoughts, the dreams of Joel and, and our elders of, of our church. And this is where we learn. The church is a great place to learn, um, you know, teamwork. In fact, I looked up the word teamwork, you know, in Webster's Dictionary, and it said this, and I thought it was really crazy. It said, the combined action of a group of people, especially when effective and efficient. That's teamwork. But I think too many times what Satan does is we break huddle and we get to our cars and we get out there and, I don't know, we're like the Keystone Cops. <laughs> you know, nobody's running the play. Nobody's using their gifts. No, there's no teamwork. And I think church is one of the great places we learn teamwork. And the second thing is, I'm just gonna run through these pretty quick. Because it isn't easy to be a Christian in this world, you need to be a healthy, active member of a small group. Sitting in these rows is important. I, I believe that. But I could also make a case that it's equally important, maybe more, but I'll at least say equally important to get in a circle where you get to look in the eyes of others and they get to see you. Right now, there's all these eyeballs on me, right? And you, you see these two eyeballs. Now, some of you are sleeping, and so I can't see your eyes, but <laughs> that's okay. That happens to most preachers, unless you're John MacArthur, probably. Um, nobody sleeps during one of his sermons. Mine? My dad, on Saturday nights, before he went to be with the Lord, just sit right down here on Saturday nights. My own father. I was, and he's up, you know, during the music. I'd walk up, and he was out. My own dad. It was a humbling thing that your own dad wouldn't stay awake to hear your sermon. <laughs> but let me just tell you, a small group is a great place to be encouraged and to encourage others. That really can't happen here. I know it does to some people. There are pockets of that. But let me tell you, uh, one of the guys in my small group is here, sitting in the audience. And it's just a great time to be encouraged. We laugh, we joke, and hang out. And, and it's just, we need that. Man, the, the world's this crazy place, right? 
We're sheep amongst wolves. We got this enemy. There's a God of this age, man. There's all this stuff. Man, I need to get in a group where I can be encouraged and I can encourage others. And that primarily happens in, in a small group. And for those of you, and I know there's lots of you in a small group in here, wow, you know that's true. It's just one of the neat things about it. Number two, a small group is a great place to bear one another's burdens. That's hard to do in this room right now. Some of you walked in here with burdens I don't even know about, and you're gonna walk out, I don't know about them. Maybe you wrote them on a card, I don't know. But if when you're in a small group, and you're looking at somebody, and they come walking in, you know, in a pair of crutches, and their leg's broken, okay, situation, leg's broke. I can look at that person and go, hey, look, we're gonna take care of your lawn because you can't get out there and mow it. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. I can help bear the burden. Now, part of the burden you gotta bear, I, 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 you know, I, your armpits are gonna get goofed up, not mine. You're the one who's in pain. You're the one who's gotta go through all the physical therapy. I can't bear that part of the burden, but I can bear some of it. And when you're in a small group, you, you can't help it. You just bear each other's burdens. Just a great place to do that. And number three, a small group is a great place to be sharpened and to sharpen others. Bible says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we need that. In this room right now, you know, you can't raise your hand. You can't really ask questions. There's not a lot of interaction because that's not the, what this is designed for. But in a small group, wow. You can talk about things and hear things and hear somebody else's thoughts and, and opinions and, and I don't know if I agree with that or, or I don't know. And there's something that's sharpening in, 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 a, in an environment like that. And we all need it. And then the bonus thought is this. A small group is a great place to be a part of a team. You're, you're just a part of a team. And it could be, hey, how are we gonna love our actual neighbors? It could be, um, hey, what's the teamwork and the person that's sitting in here? We had, we had a thought. We, there was a guy who didn't know the Lord. And we strategized on how we were gonna reach him and touch his life and blah, 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 whatever all that was. And, but together as a team, we began working on praying and thinking about this person and others. And man, when you're in a small group in a living room, let me tell you something, that's a great place for teamwork to take place. And so here's my, my ending thought here, okay? You were all given this brochure that Pastor Lonnie put together, and this will show you the groups where there are openings in small groups. They may have gotten filled last night. And you may go on and there may, on, on the little... QR code, and maybe there's none left. Don't be bummed out. Because maybe that's the sign that you're supposed to sign up to actually lead a group. That guy's crazy. That's one brilliant guy, I'll tell you that right now. He thinks outside the box. <laughs> Everybody who's leading a small group, there came a moment where they went, Hey, I don't know, maybe we're supposed to lead a small group. That's kind of how it works. And we need small groups, leaders. Somebody that would open up their apartment or their house 
put some coffee on, I don't know, some tea, some lemonade, invite people over and get to know one another and, you know, man, we have groups that have like 30 people in them. The home is jammed up. They're, they're not shutting themselves off to you. There's just no more room in these groups. And these are only the ones that we have openings in. There's a ton of groups that are just full. There's just no more room. And maybe you're the one who goes, you know what? Talk to your wife or your husband if you're married, if you're single, talk to yourself. I don't know, whatever you do, man, and go, maybe I'm supposed to open my house. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. And Pastor Lonnie will get a hold of you. We'll train you. We're not just going to throw you in there and say, good luck. We don't, we don't do that. And you know what will happen? The chances are pretty good that after a year, you'll be so tight with those people I know, the first time is weird. It's weird. You're gonna go to a group, door opens, you don't know the person. You're gonna walk in. And, 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 and you, don't, you don't know anybody. You could be sitting around with a bunch of serial killers. What do you know? You have no clue who's in the room, I know. It's weird. There's nothing that you can do to get over it. When I go to another church and speak and I walk in, I feel so weird. You know, oh, I, you know and I'm sitting in there. Hey, it's just weird. I don't know anybody. I come in here, I don't feel weird. I love you guys. You love me. I go to another church, I don't know. They go, who's that guy? Look at him. Mustache. He's weird. Look at that guy. Gray hair, hair coming out of his ears. It's good to see we're reaching the seniors at our church. They, don't, they have no clue who I am. But you know what? You come back the second time. Oh, hi, Mrs. So-and-so. You come back the third time. You know, hi, Jimmy. You know, and you, you come back the fourth time and you're in the refrigerator. Just, you know, <laughs> grabbing stuff. You know, I don't know. You're just, you're just doing things, man. It's, it's kind of how it works. And, and but, but it does take a moment of courage. It does. And, uh, or you can be deceived and think, I don't need it. I don't need to be a part of that. And hopefully, my foundation that I laid will help you understand, yeah, you do need it. Why don't you stand up? So Lord, thanks that we could be together here and worship you together. And man, I pray for the prime timers. I mean, they have a great time this morning hanging out and fellowshipping and all that. And Give us a great afternoon, God, and may all of our groups be filled, and may there be a lot of new groups that maybe start, God. Thanks, and I pray this in your name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for Jesus.